You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Alongside Mike Chappell, I'm Dave Griffiths. Joe Hopkins is here on the board as well. Uh, and we are one week away from Joe's favorite time of the year, the NFL Combine, stat nerds, geeks, and draft guys. Uh, this is this is heaven coming up right now. How many times right can you bench press 225, Joe? Hopefully once. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hope springs eternal for Joe Hopkins. I'm going to go ahead and go with zero for myself. You know, I, I was built for speed, not for power. So go. yeah, I'm going to go ahead and try that at the gym this week. I'll find the biggest guy I can to spot me and uh-huh. see how many two twenty five. And, say, and, say, and you're spotting me, you're just not watching. Make sure. Yeah, this right. Yeah, go ahead and put your hands down there. Snap my I'm neck. Need it. Be ready right away. So we will do a little bit of combine talk today. We'll get, of course, plenty more into the combine next week after Frank Reich and Chris Ballard address the media. That'll be on Tuesday of next week at the Combine at Lucas Oil Stadium downtown, which remains a tremendous place, of course, to host the NFL Combine. I've talked to a couple people, whether it's in the media or uh, general managers, just trying to grab them in town when they come here, Mike. And they, they always have great things to say about Indy and are really happy to be here for the Combine. It's a great host, and it continues to be so year after year. Yeah, the, and we've talked about this. The, the, the balance that the league is trying to have is – maximizing the event as far as exposure. This is the first year they're having on-field workouts in primetime, all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Sunday's leading into primetime. And the, the speculation has always been that this is going to move to the West Coast because that it enhances uh, ha- having workouts at, at a better time slot. But talking to Jeff Foster, the president of the Combine, he's hoping that moving – if this works seamlessly – that this will kind of alleviate or you know alleviate the, the the need to go somewhere else because if you talk to most, I won't say all, most GMs, head coaches, scouts, they're here for one purpose and it's to evaluate players. It's for interviews. It's for medicals. This simply works. This is like if if you could put the Super Bowl in one city because it works. It's New Orleans because mm-hmm. everything's right there, right? And that's what this is. You've got the hospitals, you've got you got Lucas Oil, the hotels, and it simply works. Uh, it's uh, they've got a contract through twenty twenty five with Indy, uh, but there's rollovers, so it's here this year, it's here next year for sure. And Jeff Foster thinks at least twenty twenty two because it takes X number of months to get this set up, and he just thinks that time has come and gone to where they can move to L.A. or wherever uh, by 2022 and, and, and make it work. But he just told me, he said, I hope it's here for the next 30 years, and it's been here since 87. Mm-hmm. It ju- it's just functionally perfect here. But knowing the NFL, you know, it, it, does any company, has any billion-dollar company maximized what it has more than they have? And, the argument, you know, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. So and generally the NFL get what's it, what it wants. Now, whether or not they can fight this off and keep what works best here, we'll see. Speaking of the NFL getting what it wants, there is right now at least a report from ESPN's Adam Schefter about the upcoming collective bargaining agreement proposal. We were chatting just before this started, double-checking, and this this CBA that the players and owners in the NFL are currently under expires at the end of next season, so next March 2021. They have one more year under the current collective bargaining agreement. 
you'd like to get something agreed upon now before you're in the last year. Although normally de- you need the, you need the deadline. You you need a right. drop down deadline, and that's in this instance that's what they want to avoid. Right. And that, that I mean, that's the case for, for players, usually, in contracts that you know you want to bring back. You know, for coaches, you don't want a lame duck coach who's just coaching without, a, without security in his contract, etc. You want a new collective bargaining agreement to be in place, or else something happens like we saw, how many years ago was 87. that? In, uh, in 87. In 87 was the latest, uh, most recent work stoppage. Work stoppage. And th- there was even drama, what was it, like 10 years ago, for... Uh, the, when, yeah. when it didn't go right. into it was the 2011 or 2012. I think so. It's when Jeff Saturday was on the executive committee, right. and, and again the, the, w- the picture of him hugging Robert Kraft. Right. Yeah. So and, and that's what you, that's what you want to avoid, and it's it's you, know, you can go over some of the things that they're talking about: uh, more playoffs, more regular season, and all that. But it, it comes down to money and the players to to, to deal with more games and all this. They're, they're going to get a bigger slice of the pie. It's you know, it's it's like from forty seven percent of revenue to forty eight percent, and then forty eight point five percent. I think it was seventeen games, and you know, one or one percent doesn't sound like a lot until you're talking billions, and, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you're talking quite a bit of revenue. Right. Uh, so that we'll, we'll start with that. Under uh, this is a report from the new CBA. This is not anything that's been officially released yet, but it's Adam Schefter, so I think we can he's, take this as pretty, right. it's he's, pretty good. He's not making this a, stuff up. A, as long as it's not a fake Adam Schefter Twitter right. account that right. has I, fooled I, I, my I, chapel. I, there, there was a blue dot on it. <laughs> on more than one occasion, <laughs> but it has fooled me as well. But anyway, th- this, is, uh, this is from Shefty. Um as part of the new deal, players go from, as you said, a 40% share of the brand of a new... 47%. ...to a, two, a 48% right. share at 16 games, which would increase to a 48.5% share if they go to 17 games. That's something, going to 17 games is uh, apparently, as per the report, not fully agreed upon yet. This is things that they still want to work out, but it's something that... The NFL wants. And like you say, Mike, what the NFL wants, really, the NFL gets. Two teams in Los Angeles. Yeah. It's just a matter of what the players are going to get uh, as quote-unquote compensation for this extra regular season game. But anyway, um, that that 1.5% share is uh, shifting $5 billion to the players' side. And for those of you who aren't math majors, if 1.5% is $5 billion, 100% is about 333 and a third billion. So that's that's the revenue that that they're dealing with that they're talking about. That's the total one year revenue in the NFL which would likely increase with some of the other changes and one of the more surprising changes or eye-opening changes for me that uh Schefter listed was a change to the playoff format. And what this is would be increasing the field in the playoffs in each conference from 6 teams to 7. And there would only be one team to earn a buy into the second round, into the divisional more round. More value of the on, the, on the first on getting the number one seed. It absolutely does, and it also what it does is makes Wild Card Weekend a little bit more exciting because instead of two games each Saturday and Sunday, you would have three games each Saturday Sunday. So as if Wild Card Weekend wasn't already filled with drama and uh, just a. Uh, television watching date that you set on your calendar and you circle and you say honey i'm staying at home on the couch from one o'clock till seven o'clock or from four o'clock until nine o'clock whatever it might be it's going to be one o'clock all the way till nine o'clock or ten o'clock or eleven o'clock that 
uh, every NFL fan is going to want to be in front of the couch for the playoff game. That 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 is a is a significant change as well. It would be the first time the NFL had expanded. It's been in six teams since 1990 in the playoffs, so it's been 30 years right there. 1990, I think of oh yeah, it's 10 years ago, and then it's also 30 years ago. That that's that that's that's what happens right now. In, in my life, when when you get married and you have a kid, all of a sudden, all, all, all these dates and years, they kind of blend all together completely. But anyway, um, also under the new uh, CBA proposal would be expanding the regular season from 16 games to 17 games. And in turn, the preseason will be shorted, shortened from four games to three games. So at the end of the day, it's the same quote unquote number it's, of games. It's 20 games, but. But uh, you have all of your starters, all of your key guys would be playing a little bit more because as we saw especially with the Colts and some other teams this last preseason they they were so adverse to playing their starters at all yeah it it wasn't like we're going to play our starters for three quarters in that third game oh not at all they they totally backed off of that completely so so if that's that's the case they fewer preseason games I think the NFL fan would say, please, I don't want to see any more of the preseason football. I want to see more with all the stars out on the field playing their games. So that's something that the NFL wants, something that the fans will want. The players, I don't think they'd be adverse to it with the right uh, increasing the skids. Incentive is the right word. Good job, Mike. Um, so will that proposal of uh, increasing their share of revenue one, one and a half percent be enough will they try to increase it a little bit more that's all stuff that has to be ironed out before obviously anything is signed so that that's kind of it quickly uh, an idea of some of the first things now, now one of the things about that is if, if if this goes through as has been speculated the playoff expansion would happen right away in 2020 right and the 17 game season if things prob- get signed before right. march 18th correct. the start of the that, new that, year correct. right and but if that's the case, and then the seventeen game season would probably go in twenty twenty one. Correct. It would not be this year. Obviously. Right. And, and this is it, what's 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 crazy about this. And it's again, this is you know when the NFL wants something, it it finds a way to get it done. There still have been players, Richard Sherman and someone else, are critics of this because how long has it been that the NFL has has harped on and emphasized player safety? I mean, they've made that a, a a cornerstone of everything we do. We, hey, we're on the players. Well, now you're adding another game. And by adding another game for everybody, you're adding, you know, 120-some plays. So, so this goes counter to the safety because it's not like you're th- – this is an NBA where you're going to have, what is it called, lo- load management? Mm-hmm. Remember back in the uh, – it's been the last six months people floated out as well. Maybe you'd players would only play 16 games and, and you'd have to pick a player. No, it's – no Ludicrous. It's, correct. So it's <laughs> – but the bottom line is if you make it financially worthwhile the players will by and large mm-hmm. the, you know whatever the whatever the 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 voting majority needs to be will go for it. you can't tell me that a 23 year old player who who th- this is his dream and he's sort of still naive and you're going to say you're going to get x number more dollars for another game they're going to say sign me up mm-hmm. now the players that have been through this the Richard Shermans and all this they would say listen Long term, well, well, young players don't. Th- you know, long term for a young players, like 
this year. Yeah, it for, really four, is. Four years, maybe. NFL stands for not for long. Right. You so, get in, you get your payday right away. And, and get it when you can. So yeah. that, that's why, you know, there's, I'm sure there's still some tweaking to do. I think the, the owners are meeting today in New York, I think. And then the Players Association is, are meeting by conference call tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And as Chris Ballard always tells us, a contract's never done until you sign it. So th- things hmm. can things can happen. Where's that come from? I know. Well, and Bill yeah. Polian also, and he, yeah, yes, Josh Josh McDaniels. Yes, but but the fact that they're that they're seemingly this close and they seem to agree generally on most things, I guess I'd be very surprised if this doesn't get done. And uh, you know, it's 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 a t- it, I think it's a ten year deal. So you're talking labor peace for another decade, and and then you know the next step. On this will be new broadcasting network rights, and and people keep thinking there's a ceiling on network, and there's not. Mm. It's incredible. the The only question you might have is when is does the NFL reach the saturation point? And I don't know. They believe there isn't one because mm-hmm. I'm betting if you if you could really force the NFL, if the NFL could simply do what it wants, there might be an 18 game schedule. Now you know that's. Too much, I don't know. But I heard someone mention, and it's really kind of an interesting. With a seventeen-game schedule, teams will have. You know, one team's going to have eight home games, and the other team's going to have nine home games, and yep. it's going to rotate year to year. And teams will be upset about that. And what do you do about it? You add another game. Exactly. <laughs> now, I, tell you, I, I, did, I did see one proposal, which is interesting, is that seventeenth game is played elsewhere mm-hmm. on a neutral site. Now that'd be interesting. See, I always thought that's that's what would happen in L.A. Instead of putting a team there, have have that stadium be where the seventeenth game you have a rotational game every week. You right. know, the Packers play there at Pittsburgh. Can you imagine the 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 turnout of having almost like a not an all star game, but but a, a, a high profile game every week out there? It didn't happen. It, it kind of turned into the Chargers when they were playing in L.A., like hosting uh, games that other teams. The terrible towels out there. Yeah, exactly. Like the, when the, when the Eagles were out there, it was green. When the Steelers were out there, it was yellow. Buffalo it, had. A, I think oh. Buffalo was out there and had a great. It, it, it's oh, yeah. incredible. So, and we'll see how that L.A. works out. I think the Chargers. I've already th- seen things. Well, can they get out of this deal? Can they go? Well, where are you going to go? Mm. Somebody said London. Can you imagine the the London Chargers? Oh, but the, the whole thing is the CBA, labor peace is good. And the one thing that players probably, not probably, that they won't get because it's just not going to happen are, are more guaranteed contracts. But more money is always a driving force behind things. And that's what's going to make, that's what's going to get this done is players are going to get a bigger share of the pie and the, the league will get what it, what it wants, is, which is more games. The NFL Players Association needs to represent all of its players. It represents the older guard, like the Richard Shermans, like you're talking right. about, who have been vocal about their issues with, with the CBAs. It also represents the guys who are coming in as rookies. So it, it, it needs to weigh everyone's um, desires and everyone's best interest uh, when when going to the table in these negotiations, and for for the young guys, it could be in their best interest to to do some of these things the NFL wants. Obviously, the older guys will say, "Hey, hold on, what 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 do we have? What do well, we and, get?" In this and, and this current CBA, one of the big cornerstones of it back in when it was whenever it was at eleven or twelve, was the rookie wage scale. 
Yes, it was. It was I mean, big. Rem- remember pr- prior to this, the the Jamarcus Russells and who was Sam the, Bradford was the last was Bradford one. Bradford the got last, the and he got like seven, seventy some million dollars. Yep. And the, the the thought was, why are you giving these unproven guys so much? Let's have a cap on it and, and funnel more money to the veterans. So, uh, so now you have rookies come in and out outperform their contracts. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd much rather have that than the other way around. So so. You you always find again money talks and you've got to somehow find a way to appease both the young kids and the veterans. But th- this is it's always going to be veteran driven because these guys have been around and they know what long term and short term impacts are. Well, we've talked about you know the NFL side and the players side, but you know I want to get your guys' opinions as reporters, as football fans. What do you think of this? Adding another team, two more teams to the playoffs. Forty four percent of teams get in every year. Um, an extra game is, you know, an extra week of football to watch. But also, as the football nerd I am, I go, well, that messes up all the stats now. For <laughs> mm-hmm. well, and that's why when you go uh, uh, the uh, remember the thousand yard rushing season, yeah, it used to be when it's twelve and fourteen games, that's pretty good. Now it's sixty two yards a game. So now do the math on what what is a thousand divided by seventeen. So it 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 will impact stats. It's like the NCAA did, didn't they in the past ten years where they've started including uh, postseason bowl games in in their stats. So, so it, it's it's going to mess it up, and that that's the least of their worries. Hmm. But all of a sudden, if a guy plays seventeen games and has twenty four sacks, you know it it, it it's sort of skewed. Maybe a five thousand yard season won't be so rare now. Uh, but that's I'm not too concerned about that, and I'm not. I'm not too concerned about more playoff games. This isn't going to put seven and nine teams in there. It's. I think I saw something where it would have added had this been in, a, in, a, in effect the last five years. Was it five ten ten win teams and nine nine win teams, whatever? So it's not like you're getting down to where you're having a seven nine team get in. In this case, I, I think more is better as long as you get rid of these preseason games. Mm-hmm. And and that's what season ticket holders have always wanted to get you know less preseason, more regular season, and that's what that's where they're headed. If the trade off, like Mike said, is to get rid of some preseason games, I'll take it. I I I think the current format of the playoffs is awesome. It's great. I really enjoy it. I have since since it began in 1990. Well, I guess it really changed up in 2002 when the Texans joined the league and split to eight four team divisions. But anyway, I've I've enjoyed it since. Like I'm saying since they've been six teams in, but it doesn't seem like that significant of a change to me to really get all up in arms about it if uh, if, if you're getting rid of a preseason game at the same time. Because the fewer preseason games, the better for me. It's just, for me as a member of the media, they're, they're, they can be annoying to cover completely because it's just like... Unless, uh, unless you have... You're halfway through the second quarter and it's like, okay... Unless you have are, a quarterback retired during yeah. one of them. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, that... yeah. And you're half asleep I was home recording. For that one. And whoa, whoa. Uh, yeah. I was I was still on my quote unquote paternity leave. I was just taking some nice vacation timing. time at that time. I was growing a nice Andrew Luck beard, and uh, all of a sudden I hear Andrew Luck is retiring, and I give a call to our producer back here, Phil. I was like, "Do you need me?" He's like, "Yeah, it'd be nice to have you." So I go, <laughs> I go in, I shave my Andrew Luck beard, and I come back to work, and uh, that was the story of the end of my paternity leave. Andrew Luck retiring. Now, I, one other thing about this, if I've seen some some tidbits is. The, the new CBA will include even more restrictions on practice time mm-hmm. and contact time, which 
to me, I wonder how much less can you do? Right. Because we're not doing a hell of a lot now. Yeah. It's probably just to say, oh, we still care about players' health. See, and that's why, you know, I, I <laughs> the, the say, the safety thing, just stop. J- just stop because you're, you're adding games, you're adding plays, and it, that's not making the game safer. It's not. So just quit being, you know, I don't say two faced, but you just just be honest that this is financially driven, and you want more is better. That's what the NFL is all about. It's like with the combine, more is better. The the last kind of aspect I will say is it might make the end of the regular season a little more interesting. That's part of it too. Teams won't be eliminated with that extra wild card spot, or not as many teams. Mm-hmm. So might you know not be as many meaningless week. 17 games mm-hmm. or week and, and, 18 yeah. games. And they tried to do that a few years ago when they started, they juggled it where there's more conference games or division, I'm sorry, division games, division opponents playing each other in weeks 16 and 17. This this will add more suspense because you're going to have more teams involved in, the, in that seventh playoff spot. I'll add this before we move on from the uh, CBA that uh, when this is signed, like every year you see NFL players reacting on uh, the first day of NBA free agency talking about how much money NBA players are getting and I understand where they're coming from but the second this thing is signed your players association is signing this on your behalf like I I I don't I don't care about your your qualms that NBA players make more money than you I just don't It's also a lot more NFL players than NBA players Yes that that's certainly a big part of it but this is something that's being uh, being done on your behalf so if you want to complain about it don't complain on Twitter to the fans complain to your uh NFL players association complain to those guys cuz I I I'm just sick of it I don't want to hear it If you want to make that money you should play basketball then do that like you're in the NFL this is this is is your deal. This is the slice of the pie that you, you get. You, you signed up for this. Yes. You know the risks. You know the shortcomings. You know the pluses. Uh, so I mean, maybe that seems callous, but that that's how I feel about it. Like this is, I don't know. Can't argue with it. Right. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm sure. I'm sure players would. <laughs> uh, and so, so. But anyway, uh, let's move on to a rather interesting point of the week. A former Indianapolis Colt uh, kick returner, wide receiver, Quan Bray, along with. Cleveland Browns left tackle Cameron Robinson were arrested at the U.S.-Mexico border this past week with 157 pounds of marijuana in their car. As we were talking about before, that is more than an entire Dave Griffiths of marijuana <laughs> in their car, for uh, for your perspective there. There was a third person in the car, the poor Uber driver. who took uh, an Uber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who was just going down there. It was like, okay, guys, yeah, I'll pick you up. And then, oh my goodness, 157 pounds of marijuana in the car. Yeah, well, well the, the thing that jumped into my mind was we're the Millers. <laughs> yes, that's a, <laughs> so, that was a funny movie. So I guess they didn't have the uh, Pablo Escobar uh, password to get over the border, but uh, <laughs> I saw, saw someone tweet out Narcos season four NFL. <laughs> <laughs> and, and as Joe puts it before, marijuana is legal now what for kind of in so many places. Why are you going down? They're trying to shave a few bucks off trying to buy 157 pounds of marijuana and try to sneak it into the country, I guess. But it did not go well for them. <laughs> Uh, former Indianapolis Colt Quan Bray, of course, is no longer an Indianapolis Colt. Browns left tackle Cam Robinson. Lord knows what's going to happen He's with him. He's set to year. be a free agent. I doubt anyone's yes. going to sign him at this point. Yes. Who and, knows? Um, I saw he could face up to 20 years in prison. I doubt he gets all that. Right. But, no, I doubt it, too. But still, this is, yeah, uh, crazy. 
Anyway, <laughs> on to an NFL rumor that is uh, at least a little bit more interesting for Colts fans in particular. That is uh, the fact that Vikings star wide receiver Stephon Diggs is less than happy in Minnesota. You could tell that he was uh, not exactly pleased starting at sometime around five or six games into this year, this past season. Uh, but more recently, he deleted all Vikings material from his Instagram. He has been clearly vocal with his unhappiness on Twitter. Um, during the season, he was kind of sulky and uh, seemed to want to trade after the first, I believe it was for the first five games, he had less than 50 yards uh, receiving. And this was right after, like last offseason, he signed a contract extension, five years and something like 72, 72, 72 million. million. That's a pretty big contract. So it, to be unhappy while making $72 million is is something. He apparently did not like the role he was given in the first couple weeks of the season. He certainly got more of a share of the ball after that, but it wasn't still wasn't quite the at least the numbers in terms of receptions and looks that he got the year before in 2018 and now with what he's done uh, I've been a re- become a reporter of Instagram, saying that he deletes all his all of his Vikings material. That that's what reporting is in 2020 now. Mike, did you ever think that you would say that as no. an ed- yes? But anyway, that's where we are right now. That he's sh- clearly unhappy by deleting his Instagram Vikings material, and uh, so if indeed the Vikings decide to trade their disgruntled star receiver, should the Indianapolis Colts? be interested in acquiring this young man. Sure. The question is, what what would it take? Joe may have a better idea what it would take draft pick-wise. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe 44. I wouldn't give up. Thir- I think 34 is a little rich. 44 maybe because you got to pay his contract as well. Looking at his contract, it's $10 million this year, 10-11, 11-4, 11-4. I've always thought that – and he's only going to be 26. Yeah. So I would – if if the compensation worked, I would rather have a 26-year-old Stefan Diggs than a 22-year-old, 21-year-old rookie out of wherever, LSU, whatever. Because this guy's proven. He's, he's a big-time player. And you just, you, you, you've lessened the risk of the guy not being a player. Because there's always risk with, with, with draft picks. But this, and this is what we do when, when these names come up. First of all, the Vikings may say, we don't care if you're happy or not. You know, Right. We signed to this contract. Right. You're staying here. You didn't seem to mind the money. so so And then you deal with it. And then, too, let's say, there's, not that he would have anything to say about it, but would Diggs want to come here? With unsettled quarterback situation, mm-hmm. uh, not knowing if it's going to be Brissett or Rodgers or, or uh, Rivers or whomever. You can say what you will about Kirk Cousins, but he's been a very productive quarterback the past few years in Minnesota. Right. Now, now maybe the, the the Colts not maybe the Colts would be more pass friendly, I think, than than the Vikings were. He'd be their number one instead of having to share with Thielen. Right. Correct. Uh, yeah. But you got Ty here. Yeah, I mean, Ty. Yeah. So, He'd be your number one okay. in like three or four years. Yeah, year that's or the two. thing. So you know, it's interesting to think about. And, and some names, I, I saw Stephen Holder, the athletic, mentioned that you know Nelson Aguilar from Philly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would be much more interested and eager to go after a Stefan Diggs. I saw when this came up during the season, I thought, boy, he'd look really good in a Colts uniform because th- they need they need playmakers. They need not just one more. They need playmakers. And this guy would certainly do that. 
and again, if, if, if it would be for, a, let's say, a, one of your second-round picks, and then you're just taking on the contract, uh, $10 million, $11 million for a, for a bona fide playmaker. Number one receiver. That's, that's pretty. That's, that's pretty good investment. Well, in today's NFL, I mean, you're seeing receivers start to get $20 million a year. So right. it, it, as the years go on, that contract's going to look better and better for a guy like Which, which said, means in a, couple, in a year or two, you might need to address yeah. it, but that's you, you don't worry about that now, so... This may be a – I know this is ridiculous, and it may be an unpopular, but given his age of the players Here we go. where the teams are, Adam would Benicari you trade – 2.0. Would you trade T.Y. Hilton for Stephon Diggs straight up? Why would the Vikings do that? I don't think you're, you're – you're probably in their eyes getting a lesser player. Well, if they want to win now, they got Cousins for one more year, a lot of veterans on that team – and they're just getting rid of a guy they perceive as a head case and bringing head in T.Y. Case, and instead of getting a draft pick back, they're getting a proven player who can produce right now for them. Well, I would argue that for the Colts, you're not helping yourself. Mm-hmm. You, then you It'd still be a long-term. You still okay, got but, just but you, one player. You still playmaker. just have one player is sure. what I'm saying. You sure. still, and again, I realize T.Y.'s 30, will be 31, whatever. I'm not saying I would. I just threw the question out. Sure you did. Yeah, okay. Here, here <laughs> this is going to be the theme for, for the next six months. Joe hates T.Y. Hilton. But oh, my, 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 don't my, you bring that <laughs> on me. <laughs> my main argument would be that, that you're, 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 yes, you've got a younger player, but you're still where you were with only one proven playmaker at receiver. So then – but, but no, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, I don't think I would either. Like like Mike says, I, I you you get years out of out of that trade. You get four more years of which, one which, person, which is not insignificant. No, but. it's not, not at all. But but at the same time, it's not like it doesn't fix the problem now. It doesn't it doesn't add to the danger of the offense now. It is at best a little bit better, probably a wash if it's a healthy T. Y. Hilton out there. So. And what Ty does for the locker room, I mean, he's kind of become, he's kind of stepped and up. And the as fan one base, man, guys. everybody yeah. loves Ty Hilton. Gee. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I, I would not want to be uh, Chris Ballard or in that office to try to sell the trade. Exactly. The, the, if you get rid of Ty Hilton, like it's off season, we got to talk about something. I thought he, I'd yeah, throw that thank out. you. He's a, he's a horseshoe guy <laughs> through and through. And right. so, so was Quan Bray. Quan Bray was a horseshoe guy. <laughs> they that they say that about everybody who comes in here. I know. So you, they'd have to sell that Stefan Diggs is a horseshoe guy too, even though he uh, stamped his feet and dug into the ground. And well, you uh, give me a thousand yards and eighty catches yeah. and ten touchdowns. And I think he'd be forgiven rather quickly. Correct. Yes, and he, he could become a horseshoe guy. Exactly. I think. Yeah. I. I. I would be hard pressed if uh, if the Colts are interested in him to to offer up too much more than a second round pick. Um, maybe a, like a second and a fourth or a second and a fifth. Give me um, your second. If it's going to be give, the second, give, give second, second, pick. second and, yeah. and something else. Yeah, like you said, Joe, do a 34th. I mean, that's pretty darn close to a first-round pick all right. the way up there, and you have to yeah. pay him, like we said, $10, $11 million a year. So. If you gave the 34th, I'd think you'd want maybe like a third or fourth back as well. Yeah, yeah, that's reasonable for sure. So, so something in that range is at least what we would speculate, okay. but we're not in that room. Anyway, the Colts will certainly have enough money to spend this offseason. Uh, the Colts have a league high, a league high, $41 million in salary cap carryover, according to a report from CBS Sports' Joel Corey. That would bring the expected Colts salary cap space for 2020 to an estimated $127 million. 
Many thoughts on this, I think, from, from us. At least I have some. We'll put it that way. The Colts have to spend the carryover, Mike. That's that's the rule, right? You might know a little bit more about no, the No, I don't. I, 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 it's, okay. it's, there are you, some they have to spend. You've got to reach the the, 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 uh, the minimum the minimum over a four year over a four year uh, span, right? And and they've got to spend. And I I should know what I don't because it's it makes my head hurt. It does. But they they have a lot of money they need to spend cap cap space wise, and that's probably going to happen. Well, you would hope with the Costanzo, with the Ryan Kelly, mm-hmm. with. Uh, Further out, Darius Leonard and Malik Hooker. So that's part of it. But, but they're, they're going to have to spend some money. Uh, because, I, again, I don't know the the, the mechanics, but there, there are penalties if, if you don't get there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but th- this isn't, you know, people that got 120. Th- th- this is, the numbers are different, but they've had massive cap space since Ballard's gotten here. They really have. And Salary cap has not been an issue. No, no, no. It, it's, it's. The issue has been their, their. Uh, I don't say reluctance. I don't know what the, the right frugality. word. Frugality. Yeah, well, I don't want to say to a fault, but I'd like to have seen them spend more. It's not my money, and, and it's, it's. We've talked, but it's the most crazy dynamics of an owner saying, "Here, here's my money. Here's my checkbook. Spend it." Mm-hmm. And, the, and the GM says, "No, we're going to back off, and, and we've got a price." And it, it's so different than than the, the previous regime to where. When players came in here, they didn't. They normally didn't leave. The Colts, you know, paid what it took to get them. And and now with with Chris Ballard, it's we think player X is worth X, and we're not generally going to go much above that, if at all. So so we'll see. But I I do think I, I do think they'll be a little more active this year. But to think they're going to chew up 127 million dollars of cap space, they've not done that in the past. So I, I think they'll, they'll they'll invest a lot, but not what fans and some of us in the media wish they would. Ballard's um, ideal scenario for spending his salary cap space is always going to be internal. Correct. He wants to extend guys who are here. We saw it throughout last year when Kenny Moore got his extension, who ironically doesn't fit anything that Chris Ballard wanted at cornerback. Correct. But there he is, and now he's one of the best, if not the best, slot corners in the NFL. It's when he extended Rigo Sanchez and Luke Rhodes. Gave Pierre Desir a new contract. Yes, he did. Like he, he that like I said, his ideal scenario is to extend the guys who are already inside this building because they're the guys you know. They're the guys you know exactly what you get from them. And again, you've got Costanzo, which you hope you hope you get to pay him fifteen million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marlon Mack. We haven't mentioned Marlon Mack, another one of Joe's people. He's not really fond of running backs. <laughs> And I understand that to a point. Joe just doesn't like anybody on the Colts. But but they are they are getting they are they are getting to the point with their roster to where they're going to be pay, have it, needing to pay their own. Uh, Anthony Walker, mm-hmm. I think next year is coming up. Yep. So so there are players that they need to take care of, and and they will. But so that's why I think they I think last year will be a very good blueprint on what they on what they will do. Uh, you go out and you paid. Pretty good bucks for Justin Houston, two years, two year contract, twenty three million. Mm-hmm. Devin Funchess got a year, and it was supposed to be thirteen million, which he didn't get. Three million of it, I believe it was. So those are pretty decent contracts. Mm-hmm. So I, I think what you're going to see again, they've got was it eight or nine draft picks, and I, guys you need to resign, and I can see them signing a couple of guys to to decent contracts, not 
you know, the, the, the crazy contracts, but I, I could see another year where they get a Justin Houston type guy. Now, if the the tackle from the, the Chiefs, Chris uh, Jones. Chris Jones. Yes. Now, he's if, the one guy that you want if to he's, If he's for, one, yeah. you know, that, that's, you on that. That, that's one. You say, okay, what's, what do you want? What do you need? But other than that, I just think it's going to be two decent contracts and then try to r- wrap up your own. Now, again, if, if Philip Rivers or if, if they want to go quarterback, then that's different because that's going to cost you be expensive twenty five million. I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know per year. So so, but the, 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 it's a it's a long way of saying they can do for the most part whatever they want to do to to improve this roster. You think you know? I I completely understand not giving out big money contracts when the team isn't you know vying for a Super Bowl. But at a certain point, once the team is, I know the quarterback situation kind of muddies this, but at a certain point, once the team is competitive and you have all this money to spend, do you think at that that's kind of what Ballard is waiting for, to be a little bit more aggressive? I get not paying out when you're still rebuilding, but once you get to a certain point, you think he's going to go for it a little bit? He's got to shoot his shot at some point, right? I just don't know if he, if he has that in his DNA. I, I really don't, and I don't think that's a knock on him. I think that's who he is. He is a more reserved person. I think he believes in his process. Um, it would take a lot of circumstances, I think, to to change who Chris Ballard is as a person, which molds who he is as a general manager. And like, I'll I'll point back to just the most recent example in Colts history when Ryan Grigson goes out and he signs um, Frank Gore. And Andre, Andre Johnson, Johnson and Todd Harriman's um, Landry, and yeah, well, that was even before that. But that was that was the, the one the, off the season. fourteen season. Yeah, um, it was after they made the run to the to the AFC Championship, and they're right there. They're right on the cusp. And well, the, the, the two thousand fifteen off season going into fifteen is when yeah. they signed those guys, right? Correct. And um, and you like you like you were saying that's when you think you're right there. But to go out and do exactly what he did, trying to pay some big money for some bigger um, offensive weapons, um, guys who he thought would be better. Trent Cole was in that group as well. Try to get after the quarterback with a guy who is on – was he about 31, 32 in there? Yeah. Was about Justin Houston's age they had that th- didn't they pan had a, out? They had a 30-something guy. Exactly. Like, those, those guys did not pan out. So – <laughs> If you're going to go out and you're going to spend money, if Chris Ballard's going to do it, that that just doesn't seem to me who Chris Ballard is. If he's going to go out and sign somebody, it's going to be somebody that he believes in for a very specific reason. It's not going to be because he thinks that the Colts are on the precipice of greatness and, oh, this guy might help them get over the hump. It's It's going to be by his own standards and his own measures, regardless of where the team is. At least I think that's what he would say, and I kind of believe him just based on what we've seen from him over the first couple years of his reign here in town. The only thing I'd say about what Joe mentioned about being in position to contend, I would, I'd would i argue that they were. Go, going into last last season, they, they were right there. Go back and look at before the quarterback decision. They were one of the top five teams in Super Bowl favorites mm-hmm. across the league. They, they, so, so they were right there, and I thought they finally had – the roster where it needed to be with the quarterback protection, receivers, running game, young defense getting better. 
So I thought last year, if 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 I'm Chris Ballard and Jim Mercy, I would think we're pretty darn close, and, and they didn't. I think they believe that, but not to the point to where boy, if we added this, if we added, what, I don't know what what else they could have added. Forgetting the injuries and how things went, what else they would have needed because they got the pass rusher with Houston. Maybe another pass rusher, I guess. Jadavion Clowney, I think, was available like he is again this offseason. Right. Uh, and, and maybe another big-time receiver. I don't know. But this the team going into last year in July and early August was as strong as this t- team has had in quite a while. And they still didn't go one or two players more, even though they had the resources to do that. Quarterback aside, would you say the team is stronger going into this current season? It's hard to say quarterback aside, man. It really is. And, and, and let me know if Costanzo plays or not. Yeah, that uh, too. That, that's a good. That's a that's a good question. Uh, if Costanzo comes back, yes, I think they'll be better. They would be better equipped. But God, I I can't. It, it's the but the quarterback. It's like the the you know the the thing about it. Other than the gunshot, how'd you like to play, Miss Lincoln? Because it's it's that's everything. I, I I wrote something early in this week about nationally. Some people, even even locally, some people are saying how bereft of talent this roster is, and it's it's just not. It's if you put a moderately effective quarterback on that team last year, they're in the playoffs. Now they're not a championship contender at all. That they're not, although they beat Kansas City. And we can say, well, yes, this, that, and other. Mahomes was banging. They beat Kansas City and Arrowhead. They beat Houston. So, so and, and they beat Tennessee. They, they they beat three quality teams. And then the quarterback went to hell, and then the team went to hell. So, uh, they, they are these. There's flaws. There's flaws on this roster and areas they need to to address. But this is not, you know, a former Colts team that goes two and fourteen or whatever without the quarterback. So. If they can just get the quarterback settled, which you know, and we should know that by, well, we'll know if it's going to be a free agent, we'll know in the middle of March. Mm-hmm. One thing I—it's funny—I I know Tom Telesco with the Chargers, and how they've agreed to mutually part ways. I wonder if that includes that Rivers can talk to teams now, or does he need to wait until? February, whatever it is, the fifteenth or sixteenth, when you can start talking. Sometimes when, when you let tell a player he's going he's not in your plans they, they've got the ability to, to, to talk with other teams I, 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 I don't know if, it, like, if yeah, that's where ahead. it's at or not but but I, I do think this roster could should be considered better going into this year if they can deal with the quarterback situation and I think so too I I, I don't think that there has been any significant who, who, who lost roster lose? except Eric Ebron yeah. and Anthony Costanzo those two. I'm arguing that, that if, if Costanzo if is coming back, the possible losses are Arvinitary, Clayton Gathers, Ebron, and probably a few other guys that are slipping my mind. But by and large, this roster will be better going into this coming season. Funches if, if would be another one. Funches, and he, and he, 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 he may come back. Right. Now, if, if Costanzo leaves, then you're talking something different. Yeah, I think I think it's a roster that is still still strong, top to bottom. There are just certain areas that are uh, 
I don't want to say bereft of talent because I think that's too strong of a word, but there are certain areas that need work for sure. And I think one of those areas, Joe, you have outlined on um, what we're supposed to talk about next year, what your uh, defensive players to watch at the Combine. You got 10 players that you listed in terms of defensive players to watch, and it appears that all of them share something uh, very much in common as terms of where exactly they play. Is it it D-line? Yeah, a little bit of (laughs) D-line there. Yes, yes. A little D-line All 10. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. All of them. I could have gone more, but I didn't want Mike to fall asleep in his chair as I I listed out the players. I saw who was it. uh, I listened in on Mel Kuyper's conference call yesterday. He's got him going with... uh, South Carolina kid, right? Kinlaw. Kinlaw. Yeah. Kinlaw. Oh, I, if they don't go quarterback at 13, I would love for them to sign Kinlaw. Most drafts don't have him lasting until 13. Kinlaw. It's true. The more quarterbacks that people trade up, though, yeah, the more quarterbacks that people trade up for offensive tackles, you you can see six of those guys go in the top 10. It pushes the talent down a little bit. And that's kind of why I included Auburn's Derek Brown, who I think is unquestionably the best interior defender in the draft, but. I don't think he'll be there at 13, but we've seen crazier things happen. And, you know, if teams wanting to get their offensive tackles or quarterbacks. No one thought Malik Hooker was going to last to the Colts uh, two or three years ago, whenever that was. That had to be three years ago when he got drafted. Apparently some teams got scared off by his injury and he fell. And that's something Chris Ballard even said himself. He's like, we did not think that he would be there for us. But there he was. There he was. So, you know, Brown from Auburn is... Far and away, the best defensive tackle in the draft. 2019 unanimous All-American SEC Defensive Player of the Year. Um, He's just a stud all around. He can stop the run. He can get after the passer. Strong as an ox, quick, fast. He can do it all. He's a disruptor, and that's what you need on the interior of your defense. You want somebody. It's not what it was 10, 15 years ago in the NFL where you get a 340-pound guy and say, plug the middle, and you stay right there. You need somebody to get in the backfield, and Derek Brown can do that. Absolutely. And and they had that two years ago with Marcus Hunt and Dini Quattro. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was totally absent this past year where – With the same guys. They got very little push. Uh, You know, your best player was inside was – was was Grover Stewart? You keep waiting for Tyquan Lewis to emerge, and that's not happened. And if if I'm the team, I'm why would I expect year three to be different? I would almost have to go forward with the idea that he won't make it. So you have to approach it. And then if he does, you know, more power to him and to, to the team. But I'm okay with taking a defensive lineman at 13. Now taking the quarterback out of the mix. If they take a quarterback, shouldn't it be at 13? I don't know. I would almost argue you got to trade up, depending on who you want. I mean, even if it is Jordan Love and he's the fourth quarterback taken, you might still have to trade up to go get him. Um, It just kind of depends. But, you know, we talked about how great Brown is. Kinlaw's not that far behind him. A little longer guy, just not quite as refined. Six sacks, first team All-SEC. It's a very deep defensive interior class. Rock Black, Ross Blacklock from TCU. First team all, Big 12. Um, he, he's very quick. He's one of those quick gap penetrator type guys the Colts need on the defensive interior. Same with Neville Gallimore from Oklahoma. Had a good senior bowl. Second team all, Big 12. These are guys, Blacklock and Gallimore, who might be there with pick 34 or pick 44. Um, not really as much first-round players because they haven't quite put it all together as far as refinement. The, the Iowa kid will be gone. 
Uh, he he would not be not a, a thirteen, guy. not a thirteen. He, he 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 should be there at thirteen. Yeah, is he yeah. a possibility? He'd be a first rounder. Um, he's kind of about six five, two eighty, so he could play on the edge for you. He could slide inside, maybe on passing downs. Um, I put James Lynch from Baylor, thirteen sacks this past year. He was a first team All American as well. Maybe he's a guy they target at thirty four. Um, you know, looking at more defensive ends who. Don't you think they'd target the interior of the defense a little more than defensive end after the picks they've made recently? But I could still see them adding somebody there. It seems uh, like it. Unless they think that Tyquan Lewis will be an interior guy finally, then you can you can focus more outside because, again, right now your, your pass rushes are Justin Houston, who's 31 and will be a free agent after next year, Kimoko uh, Ture, who you think but you don't know yet, and then Ben Banagu. So you need you, you can never have too many pass rush possibilities. To that point, I put down Clavon Chase on from LSU. Only six and a half sacks this season, but he has the traits. He's you know super athletic on the edge. He could bend. He can rip. He's fast. Um, and he wore number eighteen at LSU, so that shows his character. Those guys with high character or, in he, the traits. He won't wear eighteen here. No, no, he no. won't. <laughs> for for several reasons. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Eudor Grace Matos from Penn State, 17 and a half sacks over the past two years. He's another guy, very athletic on the edge, about 6'4", 260, two-time first-team All-Big Ten. Uh, going back to that Auburn defensive line, Marlon Davidson, first-team All-SEC this past year, seven and a half sacks. He's about 280, so he's another guy who you know can play the edge and they can move him inside if they want to as well, extremely strong. And then I put down Bradley and Nye. Uh, impressed at the Senior Bowl. He's a guy maybe they get in the third round. Um, he's not quite, doesn't quite have the traits, the speed, the the burst as the other guys. But Are you, you going to allow him to draft a receiver at some point? Because they need help at receiver. I'm not saying they draft all these guys. We're but focusing I'm on defensive line right okay. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Receivers next week. This receivers is 10 defensive players to watch at the okay. combine. Yes. Well, I think Joe would just take defensive players with all, of, with all their picks. I'm just looking at the guys to – I'd say maybe we take one of these okay. players. These are All the right. guys to watch here. Um, Anai, 28 sacks over the last three seasons, consistent first-team All-American. So there's a few guys to take a – you know, if you're going to pay attention to the combine stats and look out for anybody, I would look for them. So uh, from, from that list, there, there's a lot of guys with, of course, plenty of potential. And the uh, defensive line players work out Saturday – from 4 to 11 p.m. That is Saturday, uh, February 29th. Leap day, if you will, for, uh, for the players on the defensive line. And like Mike said, all of them in, uh, in uh, prime time now yep. working out. So, yeah, between 4 and 11 o'clock. That's, will, you, will you watch? I mean, I, I always watch a little bit. I have it on the background. I think one of those guys, uh, Joe, that's that's intriguing is Davison from Auburn because he's playing next to Derek Brown, of course, for his entire career. So you're like, well, did Derek Brown really do a lot of that exactly. uh, for him? Did he open up things? And uh, uh, Davison just got uh, kind of the, the leftovers, the scrap, which was a whole lot of leftovers because of uh, what Derek Brown could do on the inside. So I think he goes into the combine with a lot to prove, and he's a guy that that Colts fans should certainly pay attention to, or if you're across the NFL and have a defensive line interest, any anyone uh, should should be interested in him. He's a guy that I think a lot of teams will want to see a lot 
in this weekend at the Combine. So How big does he come in? Next does weekend he, at the Combine, sorry. You know, does he come in close to 290 and say, I can play D-tackle? Does yep. he try and lose some weight and go, I'm a defensive end? Yep. That's all the stuff I'll be looking for. I'm sure Mike I, can't wait to see how big their hands are. <laughs> I, always, I always hate it when a player says, I can lose weight and play this or I can gain weight. This is who you are. This is who you've been for four years in college. I don't like it when they try to make somebody something different. Or you see, there was a player here, although it worked. Uh, was it Mike Fury? Remember the he he was a was he a DB and then he went to wide receiver. Was a pretty good wide receiver. Hmm. They're trying to do it with Taekwon Lewis right now. He was a D end. Marvell Tell make right. him from a safety to cornerback. Yeah. So I always thought it was it's it's never a good thing when they try to move you around, but. One thing to keep in mind that Chris Ballard has harped on it. Again, until he proves otherwise, I'm listening to what he says. Offensive line, defensive line. That's where it starts with him, past the quarterback. So I, I do think that they will come out of this the first two days of the draft with a defensive lineman guy, interior, outside, I don't know. So, But again, that's where I, I, I harp on this. This is where Costanzo throw, could throw a monkey wrench into it because if he's gone, if he leaves, that third, 13th pick might need to be an offensive tackle, which we can talk about next week. That's why if he can come back, it frees up one of your top draft picks to go for another area of serious need. I have a, a strong feeling that when Chris Ballard and Frank Reich take the microphone at the NFL Combine next week, uh, one or two questions will be about Anthony Costanzo. Before you get into anything else about those players who are going to be there, what I anticipate, what it's been six weeks, almost seven weeks since, since the, the season, season was over. I think what I, I, I now I'm I'm, I'm leaning t- towards him coming back, and I think we're going to find out by the team announcing that we've agreed to a three-year, forty-five, forty-six million dollar extension, new contract with Anthony Costanzo, which oh by the way means he's not retiring. Uh, I just think that's kind of where we're headed, but uh, so many. Look at these players and so many of these interesting op- possibilities. You get to the offense next week, and that's that's what the, this this is. I wrote about it early in the week. This is like a buffet table, it's where you got all this great stuff, and you need you're hungry and you need guys, and these guys always look appetizing to you. That is the Colts Blue Zone podcast for this week. We will continue our discussion of the NFL Combine next week as the NFL comes to Indianapolis to Lucas Oil Stadium for said Combine. So. Should be an interesting discussion. We'll also, of course, have those interviews that we mentioned with Chris Ballard and with Frank Reich on our show next week. So pay attention to that. Make sure you subscribe to get delivered to your podcast listening device so you can have it right away. Hear from the Colts GM and head coach about the prospects heading into the 2020 season. You can follow us online at Colts Blue Zone on Twitter. I am at Dave G underscore sports. Mike Chappell is at mchapel 51 Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. Thanks for listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast, and we will see you next week.